This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to a Stacey West dog walk podcast. Uh, these podcasts are recorded whilst walking my dog in the Lincolnshire Wild, so you may find um, some uh, some discrepancies around sound quality uh, with wind, planes going over, etc. So if that's going to bother you, it's probably not best to listen on, um, although I do endeavour to keep the sound quality uh, as good as possible. I will also be trying to put these dog walks on the podcast more and more over the coming 12 months because people have requested uh, that I do so. Um, so without further ado, let's move on to uh, my morning dog walk. G said, didn't it? Don't know what it means. It might be offensive in some way. If it is, my apologies. It's easy to be accidentally offensive these days, isn't it? Morning, imps. How are we all doing? Um, hope everybody is well. It's the first morning in a while where the wind hasn't been so bad that I, I think I, uh, I think that I can do a, a an actual stream. And please do tell me if you can see me on the camera. We had an uh, aborted live stream last uh, last week earlier this week where I wasn't visible on camera some people would say that's probably a blessing uh whether that's you or not I don't know so please do I've got a thumbs up I'm assuming that means you can see me on the camera if you can wonderful if you can't and you want to that's a shame uh, but I am going to carry on for as long as my dog lets me 
which might not be a very long while considering that he's already about 100 yards ahead of me and I'm only about 300 yards from the house. It's a fine day up here in the Lincolnshire world today. If you look over there, not sure how well you can see, there's the oilseed rape field and the little bit kind of behind that is the North Sea. I would imagine it's cold. I would imagine it's very, very cold there today. Now, I've been... Um, perusing twitter this morning and there's a an amusing little tweet going around uh that discusses um kind of your or, or people's awards of the season so there's player of the season flop of the season unsung hero um that sort of thing and one of the sections that really fascinates me fascinated me this morning is most improved player now I always remember when I used to play for rugby boys and it was only one season but I used to then train them after that for for quite a while um well my dad was manager most improved player to me always felt like a little bit of a slap in the chops because it was basically saying well you were shit and now you're not as bad you know it was never something that you gave to one of the best players they were in the running for player of the season if you had two players in running for player of the season you didn't give one of them most improved player because the likelihood is he was really good at the beginning of the season or she was really good at the beginning of the season of course so most improved player i think in amateur football or at grassroots football can, can you know it's nice to get it i think but at the same time it can feel like a bit of a slap in the face so when i see most improved player um, on Lincoln City's kind of in, in respect to Lincoln City and in respect to supporters talking about our players I sometimes think oh, I don't want to put such and such because that suggests that yeah, he was crap at some point and I know it doesn't I know that's probably just me so what does most improved player mean? Well it doesn't mean you were rubbish at the beginning of the season look no matter what I, I stand by what I'm going to say here no professional footballer is rubbish they're not there are so few people make the professional ranks. Every single player that player pulls on Lincoln City's jersey is a professional footballer at the moment. I'm not going to go back to when we were, you know, pulling in the likes of Gomez Dali or whatever. They're professional footballers. They've reached a certain standard to enter their profession. In the context of the side, they don't perform, but none of them are rubbish footballers. So it's not about somebody who wasn't very good becoming good because they've all reached a certain standard before they've gone on to get into the Lincoln City squad. So, what, so if, if it's not players who were poor and then getting better, it's obviously players in which you see some sort of major development. And I think that's where most improved player in a professional context is highly complementary because it's of you know, a footballer develops over time. If you're most improved player at 29, it's not so good. If you're most improved player at 23, it suggests you're on the right trajectory. And I think that that's important to consider. If your most improved player is... You know, somebody who's already had the best of his career behind him. Something was wrong early in his in his career, unless it's a goalkeeper, of course. What interested me, I think, about this was uh, about this week and, and these tweets was that there was a huge number of different players who could have been most improved player. And I think that that's really telling. And I put one player down, which I'll come to in a minute. And then within 30 seconds of pressing send, thought, ah, it should have been them. And then afterwards, I'm thinking, well, I could have put an argument for them. And there are, there are three, four, five, six players who you would actually go, I think he's our most improved player this season. And that's got to be huge credit, has it not, to one, I think, partly to the recruitment. And yeah, there was a, a little kind of just George mention on my unsung hero because you know, we're praising certain players. We're praising Ben House for how he's done since he's come in. We're praising Dylan Duffy for coming out of Irish football at 20 years old 
and looking really comfortable. We're praising Ethan Arahan. We're praising Pordy O'Connor. All players that Jez was instrumental in bringing to the club. It's not just Jez. When we criticise him, I say that there's a whole team behind it. So when we praise, there's a recruitment team as well. But I'm a big, big believer in criticism where it's due. I am. might not believe me, but I am. And I'm also a big, big believer in praise where it's due. And if we're going to be praising these players and we're going to be talking about players, almost all of which Jez has had a hand in bringing in, you know, you've got to look to the recruitment and say, yeah, well done, well done. Not I was wrong or I was right. Recruitment's subjective. I get that. Some transfers work, some don't. That's how it is. I think if you, if 60% of your transfers, loans and permanents, have an impact on the first team, then I think you've probably done your job. And I think if any fewer than that, have an, uh, that, you know, if any fewer than that have an impact or if a large portion don't have an impact, you probably failed. But there's a lot of reasons why players don't have an impact as well, beyond the fact that the recruitment's not right. But we've recruited well, in my opinion, over the past 12 months. Um, we've brought in some players to the football club who have not just done well, who have been instrumental in getting us to, at present, 10th. If we finish 10th, that'd be unbelievable. And talk about most improved players. We've got to be most improved team from where pundits believed that we would finish because not the top 20 had us finish in 24th. With 10th, that's a 14-place swing. It's very, very hard to imagine that any of their other predictions will have had a 14-place swing in an upward trajectory. Most improved team, Lincoln City. So who are the most improved players? I saw a shout for Paulie O'Connor. Harsh. Um, I think somebody said he'd had a difficult start to the season. I'm, I'm not too sure. I think we had a difficult start to the season playing four at the back. I think it's easy to then point at one of the players who was a part of that and say he, he wasn't great. I think any new player takes five, ten games to settle in as a bare minimum. It's very unlikely that you come in and have an instant impact. And that some of the players that do have an instant impact when they go into a team then tend to fade a little bit as well. I think when you look at Charlie Austin, who's gone into Swindon, did really well and was left out of a matchday squad by Jody Morris. So I think that's harsh. If you're looking across the back in terms of most improved player, I think the first person that springs to mind is Sean Rowan. Sean Rowan couldn't get a kick under Michael Appleton last season. He was the only player brought off as we beat um, Bowers and Pitsy in the Cup. That was his only run out, his only senior run out, I think, for the team. He was loaned off to Drahida. You know, all the talk of Southampton and Chelsea 12 months before had faded away and we... He, he got lost and it was really after we, after we lost 3-1 at home to Portsmouth in the playoff final season. Um, I think he got, you know, he had, he had a torrid time in the first half and he just disappeared. He just disappeared completely. And I remember doing an article, we need to talk about Sean Rowan. I think Clive even messaged me about that saying, well, look, you, you know, you suggested he's dropped. He's actually been injured. Um, but he, he had almost disappeared. At the beginning of this season, there was a hope, I think, that we might see something of Sean Rowan, but there was no guarantee. There was no thought of, you know, he could be a key first-team player for us. Right now, if we manage to keep him for next season, which you know, I think he's out of contract, so there's a potential that he could go somewhere else for compensation. But if we manage to keep him, I'd happily have him as our left-sided centre-back. I think at left-back, there are certain limitations, but I think he's done really, really well at left-back. Um, but in a three, I think we probably need somebody more like a Harry Boys. But Sean's stats stand up, by the way. But as a left-sided centre-half, I can see him absolutely excelling. And with him on the left side of Pordy and potential, or him on the left side of Adam Jackson and, and Pordy and potentially, you know, Lewis Monsma will come back in eventually. Um, TJ Omas to drop into that. It, you know, it's exciting. But as a natural left-sided player at, what, 20 years old, Sean Rowan's season has been excellent. 
I think he's a confidence player. I think once or twice we've seen him dip in confidence. Exeter, for instance, where you know he was partially to blame for giving away the goal that levelled the game and swung the balance of the game entirely, I think. And you could see visibly afterwards he was affected by that. So I think there are obviously some elements of his game that, that you expect him to work on. But he's 20 years old. He's a kid. He is. He's, he, do you know what I mean? He's a kid. No disrespect. And I think the, he's a child, well, not a child, but he's a kid who has played a full season of men's football and not looked out of place. And there have been games where, um, I mean, I watched one with Chris. I seem to think it might have been Ipswich, but I might be wrong where, do you know what? I just, you were looking at him and he plays like a 25, 26, 27-year-old man in terms of his strength, in terms of his durability. And when the game, when the first game kicked off at the beginning of this season, we'd seen him in pre-season. But I don't think anybody would have said at that point, this lad could go on. And Southampton, for instance, are interested. I don't think anybody at that point would have said, could quite easily get a move to Southampton at the end of this season. It felt like a lost season last season for him. He's come back. I think he's been excellent. He's a definite, definite candidate if there were a most improved player award for most improved player. No doubt about that at all. And also, I think that he probably gives some hope to Sam Long. Because I think Sam has had the sort of season this season that Sean had last season. I know they were both on at Drahida, but but Sam came back from Drahida on an absolute high. They were raving about him. He played League One football for the Imps. And he's had a really tough season, I think, this season. Um, you know, the loan at Boston, I don't think particularly worked out. He wasn't even getting on the bench at Bromley. When he then did get his opportunity at Bromley, we've recalled him because of injury. He's just had a stinking season through no real fault of his own. So I think that he could look at this from Sean and think, you know, it's salvageable. It's it's easily salvageable. Young footballers um, maybe need that time out the limelight. Sean certainly looks like he did. Certainly a big candidate for most improved player. I think it'd be hard to pick anybody else out of the defence. I think it would be grossly unfair. I mean, Adam Jackson, you know, has never been found wanting when he's fit. And to say most improved player because he's played a few more games this season than he will have done last season is is probably unfair. And in a three, I think he's worked particularly well. But I think Adam Jackson's popularity now to how it was at the end of last season after stop-start three concussions through no fault of his own. Um, but he's certainly, I think got much higher standing with supporters now than perhaps a year ago. Doesn't mean he's the most improved player. Got to come on to and Carl Mercer, morning pal, you've already uh, you've mentioned it. Les Sorensen without a doubt. Out of position earlier in the season he still gave 100%. Now he's been using his preferred position as a revelation. Well I actually right wing back isn't his preferred position. He gave an interview the other week. This is out of position for him. He's a midfielder. I think he said he prefers to play an eight. So a more attacking midfield. Um Last Sorensen's not even the most improved player this season. His improvement has been in 2023. I thought he started the season relatively well. Um, he, he was kind of energetic in those early matches. Certainly put himself about, you know, against Exeter and teams like that. But at the same time, you always felt if we were going to go with a two in midfield, as in a, a like a, a three-four-three with two central midfielders, whilst Last was a a good option. I think we needed something a little more solid. He's a workhorse. He'll never stop running. He's got desire. He's got energy. He's got um, amb- ambition. Is ambition the right word? Perhaps, you know, he wants to get onto everything. At times, a little naive. There was a goal early in the season where, uh, I can't remember who it was against. It might have been Fleetwood, where um, he's come running out. He's going to the ball. He's full of energy. He's full of, I want that ball. Mark Kennedy said, if we hadn't come out for that ball, they probably don't get the cross in. And probably don't score. He didn't blame last directly, but that was particular. That was it wasn't on last solely, 
that it was part of a move that lost his points, but through eagerness, not through laziness. And that's the difference. He's always been eager. He's always been committed. He's always been a player that you know you can trust 100% to go out there and give everything he's got. His move to right wing back has been sensational. See, I noticed, first of all, the first time I noticed fans turning towards Lass, because you know, I think he was one of the players that was booed on last season. There was a few. I think he was one of the ones that, that wasn't particularly well received by certain sections. It's a small section. No, Morgan Whitaker was another. But the first time I noticed the turn towards Lass seriously was away at Derby in February when the fans were chanting his name. Because to me, in my mind then, he'd always been, you want him in the squad, but energy, bring him on, last 20 minutes, chasing a game, three in midfield ideally, so that if he does kind of not lose his position, but if he does go chasing... Chasing, um, chasing the ball and uh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. There are still the two holding midfielders there. I think probably with Ethan Arahan, you could get you could play Lass at central midfield because Ethan, I think, would is kind of the grounded. Similarly, I think Lass could have played alongside Liam Bridcut if Liam Bridcut was ever fit. But moving him to right wing back, I wasn't convinced. Shrewsbury away last season in the cup and in the league, he came on at right back, and it was it was. I'm not going to say a disaster, but it didn't work. And I thought he looked massively out of position. Um, was it MK Dons where he first played at right wing back this season? I remember seeing him on there and I was like, well, that's a disaster, isn't it? Lass in defence is not going to work at all. It's square pegs in round holes. And actually, we found the perfect position for him. And to be honest, it, looking back now, it may even have seemed a little bit obvious. Apologies for the jet going over there. It's an actual jet as well, probably going to Collingsby. Um, why is he a natural of right wing back? First of all, he only has to worry about half of the pitch. So in terms of, I'm not saying losing a man, because I don't want to make it look like we're making a weak player because he's not a weak player. But you only have to worry about one side of the pitch because the other side's the touchline. So in terms of positional awareness, you've got kind of half of the what you've got when you're in central midfield. His energy is perfect for right wing back. It is absolutely perfect because he is high energy. He will get up and down that line all day long. And the game the other week, was it last Tuesday? I can't remember who we played now last Tuesday. Barnsley, I think, wasn't it? Late on, chance came and he's 85 minutes, 89 minutes. And he's run the length of the pitch. He's beaten Luke Plange there, who, to be fair, had done 90 minutes as well. He's beaten Tashan there, who had done zero minutes. I mean, he'd be on, on the pitch, but he had done zero minutes. Full of energy. Perfect for that right wing back. Because if there's one area where players are likely to tire, it's on the wide areas of defence. Defenders that have had to be tracking a runner all the time. Defenders that are now expected to get forward and attack. So if we've got somebody who will be willing to run into those spaces late on in the game, that's a real credit. And that's why white right wing back suits. Also, let's be honest, Lass is technically very good when it works out. And I think we said on the podcast a few weeks ago that Lass is the opposite to what you expect a young European midfielder to be. You expect them to come here full of technical ability, but lacking perhaps in desire and heart. And for a while this season, it was the other way round. Um, I think Lass was... You know, full of desire, heart, fight, but technically it just didn't quite work for him. But the last couple of weeks, he's really got his eye in. And I'm thinking about the ball to Danny Mandroyu, which um, which created the goal at Plymouth, for instance. I'm thinking about his goal at the other end of the field as we beat, I think it was Cheltenham. The games have come thick and fast. Sorry about this plane. It's one ball ache. 
Um, I'm thinking about, obviously, uh, his goal on Saturday as well. I mean, outstanding. He's a player that looks to me like he feeds on confidence. He feeds on being loved. He feeds on the supporters want, you know, really buying into him. And he's looked like it. It's looked like it the last couple of weeks and months. So I'd definitely, definitely say Lars Sorensen looks like one of our most improved players. And long may it continue. Now, do you know what? On a, in, a, in a shorter period of time, and it wouldn't be over the course of the season, but I said Lass looks like the most improved player of 2023. And this one's a little bit harsh. Harry Boys, where has he come from? I know it's Sheffield United before you get smart. But when Harry first came in, I thought that he looked a little lightweight. I thought that, you know, we were still playing Sean Rowan. I just, I just, Harry Boys felt a little bit like James Brown to me. And I don't know if you remember James Brown. He was a lad that came on loan from Millwall in the 2018-19 season, I believe. Um, and never played. He was cover. Ricardo Calder, without the whole, you know, domestic violence thing. Um, that sort of player that came in, that was offering cover, but that ultimately, sorry, this is really muddy ultimately wasn't going to significantly impact Lincoln City. That's how I felt about Harry Boys. When we went to Sheffield Wednesday and necessity was that we had to play him, I didn't expect a huge amount, which is why I was really surprised. Since then, he has been outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And he, him and Lass have proven me wrong from the podcast. Oh, so filthy. Um, so on the podcast, I said I expected Lass and Harry Boys to not be our full wing-backs next season. Obviously, we don't own Harry Boyce, for instance. But then we needed two wing-backs. Looking at them now, I'm thinking, do we? Do we need wing-backs? I'm not so sure. Looking at us right now, the last couple of games, I actually struggled to see what we do need. And that's naivety on my part. We obviously need to reinforce. We obviously need to strengthen. There are key areas. But Harry Boyce's form over the last month, two months, month and a half has been excellent wouldn't be most improved player from the season one it would be grossly unfair on somebody who has progressed at a, a massive rate over the course of the season and two it would be unfair on Harry Boys who perhaps as a young player just needed a month or so to settle and you know were were he signed in August instead we'd now be in what October November if he was turning in this sort of form now you'd be talking about him going back to Sheffield United and staking a potential claim in and around their first team I think but he's certainly one to watch. I think he's one that we might try and get back next season. Um, and I wouldn't be against it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So who else 
Well, my pick for most improved player was Ben House. Um, and I think that comes partly because he started this season in, I think, a lot of people's thinking as an attacking midfielder. Um, I think he started this season certainly uh, a long way from our starting number nine. And, and when I say that, I don't mean as in he was way behind Tom Hopper. I mean, Tom Hopper was, and that it feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? He was our captain. He was our number nine. He was going to start the games. If Ben House was counted as a, as a striker and a number nine, um, he was definitely going to be on the bench. And if he was counted as an attacking midfielder, maybe so. If he was going to play in the 10, would he be behind Mandriu? You know, it was hard to see where we were going to fit Ben House in. Like Ben House, he's good on the ball. He's got nice feet. We hadn't seen a lot of him in front of goal. He had scored, what, the one at Portsmouth going into the beginning of the season. Didn't score a shed load in pre-season, if any. Um, but you still, I, couldn't, I wasn't entirely sure where Ben House fits in. Even moving into the transfer window, I wasn't entirely sure where Ben House fitted in. The transfer window closed. You thought, well, that's it. Ben's our striker then. He's got to be, hasn't he? He's got to be back up to to Tom. Tom got injured, and that was that. And and that you know, that really was that. Tom got injured. Ben House came in, and all of a sudden we found the striker we wanted. We didn't know we had. Because for me, a striker that scores thirteen goals from open play is could be a twenty goal a season striker if he also took penalties. So you look at your twenty goal a season strikers and go, Well, we could do with one of them. If Ben House had taken all our penalties this season and missed five percent of them, I think that he would be closing in on twenty goals now. He's good in the box. He's got a nice finish. His goals are a mixture of popping up in the right place at the right time, away at Ipswich, for instance. You know, with the, with who was the free kick against that went down the side of the wall and he's put it in. Lovely goal. Might have been Derby. You know, he's a worker. He grafts, he fights, he scraps. He's an irritant. My dog doesn't want to come back. He's an irritant to defenders. He's a Matt Reed, Jason Lee, Lee Thorpe style. Not as niggly, not as, dare I say, shithousey. But he's got that. He gets under players' skins. You can see him do it. He'll draw a red card or two out of a player. And I mean, obviously, the Tom Conlon one, which has since been rescinded against Port Vale, then House involved. We didn't. We still don't know what particularly happened. Whether he was, you know, involved in getting the player sent off. If he was, and it, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that you should try and get players sent off when it's incorrect. But he will draw reactions from players. That's what he does. But it's his work rate. It's his work ethic. It's his understanding of the game. It's the runs he makes. He knows when to drop in behind. He knows when to come short. When he comes short, he plays sensible passes. He doesn't try and force an issue. All of this from a player that could have been our starting number eight this season or was certainly considered as an attacking midfielder in the early games Ben House should we need to sign him to, in my opinion this summer to a longer contract we need to promise him the number nine shirt first team football if we sign a player we've got to sign another striker that next striker that we sign should be another project striker or it's a Charlie Kendall or do you know what I mean it's, it's somebody that we bring in and go you'll get in off the bench this is your foothold look at where Ben's going when Ben goes you're the long term replacement learn from Ben that's what we need to be looking for he's suddenly integral to the team next season Carl Rushworth won't be with us but if we've got Paul O'Connor, Ethan Arahan and Ben House as that kind of spine running straight through the centre of the team we'll be alright we'll be alright most improved player of the season Ben House 
Does anyone have any other ideas? Let me have a look through some of your comments. First of all, Adam says it's colder in the world, walking my dog in a T-shirt by the Witham. Wow, well, I'm in a gilet uh, and a hoodie. The wind's pretty cold, though, to be honest, Adam, to be fair. Connor Pierce, morning, Gary. Morning, mate. I hope you're all right. Carl, we've seen from last, without a doubt, played out position. Uh, forget that super goal. His work ethic is second to none. You're right. The goal brings him to people's attention on a wider level. His work ethic earned him the respect of the supporters long before that. I liked last, last season. I remember, I won't name him by name, uh, but there's uh, one of the, the the main men that the, the Priory who have delivered the content with for uh, the last couple of years. We used to, last season, it was, I was massively behind last good player in there he's a good player in there and he was nah he's not good yeah, he's awful and I went away to Shrewsbury came back and I'm afraid you're right first game of the season I sent him a message last is back here we go 10 games in <sighs> I'm not so sure but what's kept him from that from a player that's kind of drifted in and out of form to be what he is today is his work ethic it's his application it's his personality I think he's got the respect of the entire fan base a couple of weeks ago we said there's no player on this squad that we want to do better and Lass Sorensen, he's the one. He's the one that everybody wants to succeed. Everybody wants him to do well. Not, I mean, we want all Lincoln City players to do well. But Lass is the one that you just go, I, you know, for him. Not for us, for him. For him. If, if everybody is playing badly, the one player that you want to come off playing well is Lass Sorensen. So delighted for him. And that's his work ethic. That's his attitude. So we've got a couple of people watching from many miles away. Uh, Mr. Winkworth is in Bilbao. So, hello, my friend. How are you? Andrew Robinson is in sunny Turkey. Morning, mate. Everybody going on their holidays at the moment. Um, and I think it will be a draw game from Tahar. I think that might be tonight's game with Burton, potentially. Um, what's past us winning it? Not at all. Anyway. Uh, Simon says, what's Lass's contract situation? My understanding is that Lass has another year. Usually when we say long-term contract... I take that to mean three years um, or two and a half years if they're signed in January. So I, I think that Lass has another another year on his contract. We shall see. Adam Frank, Harry Boys is a better left wing back than Sean Rowan. I'd sign him permanently. He is because Sean Rowan, in my opinion, is a centre back um, who can play left back. So his versatility will be important. Uh, Harry Boys is an attacking left wing back, no doubt whatsoever. Sean Rowan actually, in terms of long-term progression, um, operates in a position that probably three years ago or four years ago wasn't as prevalent. And that's that left centre-back of a three. So many teams play a three these days. And it's where I think TJ Ioma could see some benefit as well next season. Not as a right-back, not as a right-sided centre-back in a two, but as a three. Him and Sean, defenders that can get forward, that can carry the ball forward, that can help you progress upfield. Because if they stride out with it at their feet and move 10, 15, 20 yards out of defence, there's two defenders behind them, so they don't have to worry as much about being out of position. Everybody ahead of them advances at the same time. They're really important, um, in my opinion, in how we need to play against teams that are lower, the teams that are below us. And when we've gone and played the... Uh, the high block, Sunderland a couple of years ago when we won, or last season when we won 3-1, you know, we let their defenders have the ball and made them pass and they struggled. They couldn't get the uh, their midfielders and their creative players on the ball. If your creative players are either side of one solid, nasty centre-back, uh, it's 
yeah, it's a it's a great way for you to be able to look to break opposition down to get bodies forward. That's where I see Sean Rowan long long term. Harry Boys, the right wide wing backs, we've seen how important they can be on the counter attack. When you're playing, looking to try and break forward, spring at pace. Harry Boys, Last Sorensen, energetic. They'll deliver balls into the box. Harry's got a great delivery on him as well, by the way. Some of his free kicks, crosses and corners of late. We've had some joy from corners um, because of good delivery. So, yeah, if it was up to me and it's not, I'd certainly be saying to Sheffield United, this boy's doing well with us. Can we have him for another season? I don't see him going into the championship and affecting a championship team. The only thing he might do is go to a bigger League One club. What we do know is it wouldn't be Sheffield Wednesday, mainly because they might go up. Uh, Daz Reed already discussed him. Rowan has grown into a player this season. We have indeed Daz be spot on. Um, and, you know, I really like Sean Rowan. I think he's a uh, he's a tremendous footballer with a big, big future. Jimmy Atkin, morning, mate. FC All, nice to meet you the other week. Gav Hughes is watching from the big top. Poor old Gav does get quite a bit of stick. So they're my most improved players. Um, I think, you know, that any other candidates, it would probably be unfair, but there are some young players who have got such big futures ahead of them. You know, Dylan Duffy's probably already written himself out of the most improved player for next season because he's already had such a good start. Sorry, I'm going back through the mud again. So he's already had such a good start. Dylan Duffy's a player who I'm pretty excited about for the future. But when you start talking about that, there are plenty of players at Lincoln City that I'm excited for for the future. And at the top of this conversation, I started talking about most improved player. And I was saying that we were the most improved team because we went from a standing start. The Appleton era broke down. Last season was all very disappointing. We didn't have the spine of a team. You know, I'm talking about Ben House, Ethan Arahan and Pordy O'Connor. Going into this season, you know, Pordy was new, Ethan Arahan was in St Mirren and Ben House was being classed probably as a midfielder. The spine of the team probably wasn't there. Now it is. It's about finding the dressing to drip on the side. It's the Harry boys. It's the Lass Sorensen. It's who we can get to tuck in alongside House. And at the moment, you know, Mandrew and Duffy, if you named a team of Mandrew, Duffy and House up top, with Arahan in midfield and Boys and Sorensen out wide and Matty Virtue alongside Arahan and the three at the back. It's a strong, strong team. That's without the ball player, Teddy Bishop, who, you know, in patches is a superb player. It's without Midi Shadipo. I know we've got him on loan. I wouldn't be against us bringing him in. I think that he's a player who can certainly help progress us. I think if you've got a selection of players kind of up top who you can bring in and rotate and, and mix around a little bit, you're in a good place. You wouldn't expect Dylan Duffy to play 46 games next season, but I'll tell you something, you'd want him to have 25 under his belt, the way he's playing at the moment. 20 years old, physically strong. I remember saying something to, again, Chris a couple of months back about how well we'd played somewhere. I seem to think it was when we played against Ipswich again away. But we were talking about the players playing up top. They were all our players. They were all our players. Charles Vernon's to come into this. And Charles is going to find it difficult to force his way into the side. But there are players. I don't think there's such a reliance on lone players. You've got to sprinkle that team with lone players. You've got to. Even if a lone goalkeeper for me is a, is a great shout. No disrespect to Sam and Jordan, but Carl Rushworth is top, top quality. If he's not played 40 championship games next time, next season at this point, there will be something sadly, sadly wrong with the team that have loaned him, without a doubt. 
Alex Palmer was a great keeper for us. Josh Griffiths was a very good keeper for us. We've got Jordan Wright. I don't think he's going to be our number one next season. I absolutely don't. I can see Sam being loaned out. Again, I think he needs to get regular football. I can see Jordan playing the backup, playing in the cup games, and is bringing in another mid, another keeper. I really can. But other than that, where do you think we're going to bring loan players in? Possibly Harry Boys again. When you're talking about at least two loan players, if not three, that we've currently got that we'd bring back in. Contrast that with five months ago. Matty Virtue was injured. We had the likes of Jack Diamond, Tashan Oakley Booth. The loans felt like a flop. So much has changed over the last few games. It's important to keep our feet on the ground, though, isn't it? Um, older fans will remember the 1991-92 season where um, Steve Thompson's side won like eight games or something at the end of the season. We went and won, beat Doncaster, I think, 5-1. We beat Blackpool 2-0, costing them automatic promotion on the final game of the season. And everybody tipped us to go up the next season. It's not that easy. Everybody will change. The way that we're playing at the moment, teams are going to begin to look at it and they're going to think, right, we need to put somebody on that right wing back, Sorensen, when he breaks. We need to make sure we stop the keeper bowling it out quickly. For us, we need to get a keeper whose distribution is as sharp and on point as Carl Rushworth's. But while contrast, last season, Josh Griffiths holding on to the ball at the manager's request. Slow, slow build up. Rushworth, he wants to get it out. That's Mark Kennedy. That's the coach. That's how we want to play now. Beginning of the season, Mark Kennedy said he wanted to get fans off their seat. Excite them. Attacking football hasn't always been the case this season. But I think the final thing we've got to talk about, we talk about most improved player. We've got to talk about most improved head coach, haven't we? And again, that's not from a negative perspective. Mark Kennedy begun this season in layman's terms, in everyman terms, as a rookie. 40 years, 38 years, 35 years in the game, not a rookie. Coached at Manchester City. Coached, I think, uh, uh, Wolves. Take the Macclesfield head coach out of that. Uh, Been assistant at Birmingham. Been around football for a long, long time. Not a rookie in football terms. But in terms of it being you, the head man, the focal point, doing the interviews, helping to sign the players, deciding on the patterns of play. He was a rookie. Why not the top 20 at Isla? Um... Allocated, I think, is finishing 24th. It's why when I put it out to Stacey West readers, I would say 70% of people had us in the bottom six or seven. I did. Can't remember whether I had us just inside the bottom four or just outside the bottom four. But it was the first time since we dropped out of the league that I thought we'd be near the relegation zone. Because I never really thought it in the National League, and I've certainly never thought it since we've come out. First time I was really worried because of what? Mark Kennedy's lack of experience as the focal point, potentially, yeah, I think so. There's elements around the squad. We've seen Mark Kennedy's improvement in the way that he wants to play. He's been open about it. Speaking to a manager who we assume would be Mick McCarthy, if you play that way for the rest of the season, you'll go down after our first couple of games. The Bristol Rovers game, winning 6-3. We raved about scoring six goals. Mark Kennedy's first thing was, wasn't happy about the goals we conceded. We could have lost that game 7-6. He's right, we could. What did he do? Went to three at the back. People were critical of the three at the back. We went out against Chippenham. I seem to remember after we got beat against Chippenham, he's got to go was one person's post. Utterly absurd, of course. But I could understand the frustration. But then we're tight, we're hard to beat. 
And I respected that. Even I found it difficult after Cambridge at home. Nil-nil. A truly awful game. I remember coming away thinking, what, what is the pattern? What are we trying to do? But Mark knew. And I got called Captain Hindsight the other day because I, I made a jibe about Kennedy out. Aside from the Cambridge game, always said, you start by building the foundations, make yourself hard to beat, kick on from there. The relatively low XG that we have going forward was a concern. I thought I'd, I'll admit that. But at every point, there seems to have been a little moment where we've stepped. So after Fleetwood and those sorts of games, we were, we were scoring okay, but we were conceding. Bristol Rovers was where we went, right, now we're going to tighten up. We tightened up. We had a great December on the back of it. Let's not forget that. Going to Southampton, probably deserving something from Southampton, beating Bristol City. We had a good December. But then it came to January in the transfer window and it became evident we were lacking going forward. What, and bear in mind, by the way, Mark Kennedy loses his assistant manager, so he loses his sounding post halfway through the season and has to bring another one in. He loses his head of performance, Ross Burberry. Uh, January, February. So there's been constant change and everything around him. And actually, we've now got to a point in the season where it's spring right now. You see all around me, it's beautiful weather. The wolds are glistening. And that's how it feels. It feels like we've come through the Mark Kennedy era. We've come through the dying off of Michael Appleton, the autumn of the Lincoln City era. The, you know, and that, that's been happening through the course of the season. Players like Tom Hopper going. We've seen change in the way that we play. And I think Mark's felt his way in. I think it's telling when you listen to him now as well, isn't it, on the radio. You listen on wireless. At the beginning of the season, I thought at times he came across quite defensive. There was an interview after one of the friendlies with Rob where I remember listening to it and just thinking, oh, that's not going to go down well. And after Chipper, even Chippenham, which was only November, Remember, there was a comment about fans not knowing football or something. It had people incensed. But now when he comes out, and it's not just when we've won, by the way. He comes out much more confident. There was lots early in the season about this isn't my remit when it came to injuries and things like that. He talks now about staying in his lane. He's much more open, much more all-encompassing. He's a man who has slowly found his way into the top job. He's a man that, in my opinion, has gone from... Very much a coach mentality when he came in, as you would. He's been doing it 20-odd years or 15 years to a head coach mentality where everything is now my business, but I will empower the people who, whose section it is. So when he talks about injuries, I don't override my, my injury team. And I think it's really interesting. And I'd love to go and spend a day there. I did it with – I spent some time there with Danny and Nikki. And I remember their approach to injuries there, the traffic light system. Red, green, amber. They might be able to play. They can do so many minutes. This has got to be their load. That's got to be their load. It was fascinating. Went and see Michael Appleton. I remember sitting in his office and he said, oh, there's this traffic light system. I don't want any of that. They can either play or they can't. Black and white. Absolutely black and white. Which worked better? We certainly have far fewer injuries under Dan and Nick. Players were nursed through, but then the long-term effects on some of those players, for instance, the likes of Sam Habergan, probably weren't as great. However, 
now I'd love to go and see how Mark does it. I'd love to just sit for an hour or two with Mark. And, you know, we, I remember going through a board with players on uh, with Michael, but with Mark, I've not had the opportunity. I'd love to see how he's grown and how he's kind of evolved and, and how he now runs our football club. It'd be brilliant. Maybe I'll get a chance one day. Who knows? But I think that what we've seen is the evolution of a, an exciting young coach. I genuinely think we have. I think we've seen a man who willingly took a step back when he was offered a <clears throat> a role coaching was at Ipswich Reserves, and he said, "No, I'll go down and do the under 13s or the under 15s," and started at the bottom and worked his way up. And I think this season he started with one plan. He's not afraid to deviate from it. He's not so stubborn that it's this way or no way. I respected that in Michael Appleton, but it didn't get him the success in the second season. It worked in the first, not in the second, and there were other reasons it worked in the first. Mark's open to change. Players change his mind. When a player plays well, he stays in the team. There's no favourites. You only have to see that with Sean Rowan playing well at left wing back. Harry Boys didn't get a look in even that we've brought him in. So I think in terms of when you talk about improvement and we talk about most improved player, well, not just most improved players, most improved team, most improved head coach, got to be. You name me one head coach in this division who started with such a, a low stock in the eyes of so-called pundits and experts like me, like not the top 20, who talk about football and watch football all the time, to who now looks like being a top 10 League One head coach in his first season, despite losing his assistant, despite having uh, a squad churn, despite, from what you can understand probably having some players who came in in the summer who didn't really fit the profile, being unable to recruit some of the players that he did want to fit the profile. So hats off to Mark Kennedy for that. And long, long may it continue. Because I tell you something, if we improve next season at the same rate we've improved this season, we'll be knocking on the door of the top six. I don't expect that. But I didn't expect us to be knocking on the door of the top ten. If Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich and Plymouth go up, potentially, Wigan, Blackpool and Reading come down, it'll be a weaker division. OK, we may lose Morecambe, Cambridge, Accrington and Forest Green, and we may be replaced by teams who you would expect to be better, like Leighton Orient. Stevenage might come up, they'll be hard, they'll be like Gillingham one season, they'll go back down if they come up. Carlisle, but they're all on a par with the Port Vales and the Exeters. Second season syndrome will be tough for them. League One isn't good this season. I think it'll be weaker next season. If it's weaker and we're stronger and we're 10th now and teams find us hard to beat now, I just think it bodes well for the future. There's a lot of work to be done. There's players that are going to have to come in. There's players that are going to go. The team won't look the same, but it will look familiar. It will be Paudie O'Connor. It will be Ethan Aran. You would imagine it will be Ben House. There will be legs from Lars Sorensen. You would hope there'd be players like Sean Rowan, Adam Jackson, TJ Aoma, potentially Matty Virtue, Danny Mandroyu, Dylan Duffy. It'll look similar, but better. We're in a better position now than we were 12 months ago. 12 months ago, final game of the season against Crew. if you'd said to me, you finish 10th next season, your top players will be your players, not loan players. And your head coach will have evolved and changed. You'll be playing three at the back. I would have taken that all day long. I would have said, bottle it up and inject it into my veins. And that's where we are right now. So, Lincoln City fans, most improved player, it's up to you. Most improved head coach, absolute no-brainer at all. Enjoy the rest of your day. If you see me, Andrew Robinson said he might see me at the match on Saturday. If you see me on Saturday, I'll be in fancy dress with a, a trolley weight. 
with eight others at Morecambe on my stag weekend. Come and say hello. Other than that, have a great day, audience. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.